Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to a special Valentine's Day edition of the Closet Champion Podcast. I am your host, the reigning, rarely defending, highly disputed champion of wrestling podcasts, Mike Mueller. Seeing that it's Valentine's Day, and just like Brother Love in the intro, I love all of you, I see no better way to celebrate than by counting down my top 10 on-screen couples in wrestling history. While many of the couples on this list were also romantically involved in real life, that was not necessary that was not a necessary requirement for me to put them on my list. Now to me, an on-screen couple needs to have a couple things in order to make them great. First, they have to have chemistry. For any couple, whether it's in real life or on screen, if the chemistry isn't there, the relationship is doomed to fail. But a great on-screen couple needs more than just some physical heat. They need to complement each other, either by bringing a balance between the two characters or by amplifying their personalities and taking it to the extreme. Macho King Randy Savage and Queen Sherry come to mind for that extreme perspective. The couples on this list range from trailblazing, off-the-wall pairings to real-life husband and wife duos who put their relationship on display in front of the whole world. Now this is going to be a shortened episode since I just took you all on a very deep dive of Shawn Michaels and I figured you might be a little sick of my voice by now. I'm also going to be dropping a State of Wrestling podcast on Monday and I'm going to try my hardest to stick to that Monday release schedule from this point forward. Consistency is king and I'm counting on all of you to help please keep me on track. As always, please reach out to me on Facebook or Twitter at Closet Champ and let me know your thoughts on the episode, as well as any other things that you'd like to hear me talk about in the future and anything you just want to talk about in general in the world of professional wrestling. I say it all the time, but if it wasn't for you guys, I would just be an idiot talking into a microphone. So please engage me in conversation. I love to hear from you. Also, I need to give a very big thank you to my good friend Molly, who made the excellent Closet Champion artwork that now adorns my Facebook and Twitter page. I was looking into getting something non-generic for this thing anyway, and before I could even go out and find somebody to do it for me, since I can barely draw a stick figure, Molly took it upon herself, totally unprovoked, and created this amazing artwork for me. Molly, if you're listening, which I know you are because you always do, I want to give you a huge shout out and I cannot thank you enough. I am truly lucky to have such an amazing friend and supporter of my podcast. Okay, now let's get this list underway with the top 10 greatest on-screen couples in the history of wrestling. A quick honorable mention before I get to the top 10 goes to Edge and Vicky Guerrero. I already mentioned them briefly on my manager's podcast when I talked about what a great heel manager and character Vicky Guerrero was, Uh, but the biggest part of her tenureship, in my opinion, was that relationship with Edge. It had an ick factor of about a thousand, and man, was it just great. Uh, These two were clearly using each other for very different reasons in the storyline, but both made it work. You hated every moment that they were on screen together. They drew a ton of heat because it wasn't that long after Eddie's passing and many people thought it was in bad taste. And while I won't disagree that it was in bad taste and that it was awful, you gotta also admit that that's what made it work and that's what made it so powerful. So my honorable mention goes to Edge and Vicky Guerrero. Number 10 on my list goes to Dusty Rhodes and Sapphire. I love this on-screen couple so much because even though they were short-lived, 
I think they're one of the most important couples in wrestling history. Sapphire was the antithesis of what the wrestling ballet is supposed to be. She was this short, kind of stocky woman that dressed in sweaters. You know, she wasn't wearing flashy sequins dresses. She didn't sit idly by and just act as a cheerleader for her man. She got in there. She got dirty. She was involved in one of the first mixed tag team matches I can remember in the WWF where she and Dusty Rhodes faced the Macho King and Sensational Sherry at WrestleMania six, And also, probably most importantly, this was the first interracial couple that I can remember there being in the WWF. In 1990, yeah, it's not like it was the 1950s or 60s or anything, but even 1990 pro wrestling, that was pretty progressive. And it was pretty damn cool to see. And I love that they even gave her character a little bit of depth beyond just being a happy-go-lucky dancing partner for Dusty Rhodes. She actually would later sell out and turn on Dusty Rhodes for the Million Dollar Man. And I thought that was a great little way of giving her some character beyond just Dusty Rhodes' sidekick. Overall, this was a very trailblazing couple. So while they were only together for a short while, they definitely deserve a spot on this list. Number nine, greatest couples, Billy and Chuck. Uh, yeah, sure. All right. They're just best friends. Best friends who wear matching outfits. Best friends who display a lot of affection for each other. And best friends who even have a best friend commitment ceremony. <laughs> you know, as a gay guy, I'm not really sure if I'm supposed to be offended by them or rooting for them. But there's no doubt that Billy and Chuck were a very highly entertaining duo or couple and gave us a lot of laughs. I always appreciate the WWE pushing the envelope and giving us something unique, and this was definitely something unique. And speaking of pushing the envelope and being unique, number eight on my greatest on-screen couples of all time, Mark Henry and Mae Young. If I had to point to one storyline to truly sum up the Attitude Era, it would be Mark Henry and Mae Young. To put this into perspective and context, Mark Henry was currently working an angle where he was a sex addict, which stemmed from the fact that he had sex with his sister at age 8 and also age 28, which was his current age. And he sought the help first of a sex therapist, but when that didn't work out, he turned to the Godfather, the WWF's resident pimp. Who better to help get you over your sex addiction than a pimp? But not to fear, Mark was able to put aside his demons once and for all once he finally found true love in the form of 77-year-old Mae Young. Uh, to point out the most absurd and ridiculous moment in this fairly short-lived angle, I'm just going to directly quote Wikipedia because they can say it better than I ever could. Henry feuded with Viscera during this time as part of a storyline where Viscera splashed Mae Young while she was carrying Henry's child. Young later gave birth to a hand. A hand. This was on primetime television. Children were watching. Moving on. <laughs> Number seven. Uh, Deborah McMichael and Steve Mongo McMichael. This is my only WCW entrant on this list, uh, and if I have to pick one from the WCW, it has to be Deborah and Mongo. They may be on this list just because it was at the height of my WCW fandom, and I fully admit that there's some bias there, 
But man, this was an annoying couple to watch in the best way possible. Mongo was a former football player who just assumes he's better than everybody and can't go more than two minutes without talking about being on the 1985 championship Bears, Chicago Bears football team. And he's now accompanied by his literal pageant queen wife, both of them sporting incredibly obnoxious Southern accents, and they made for a great storyline as Steve McMichael was joining the Four Horsemen. Deborah acted sort of as a Yoko Ono type character within the Horsemen, where all the members really hated her, but they kind of tolerated her because they liked Mongo and he was part of their group and she was his wife, so they would just kind of put up with it. But they certainly made it known both verbally and visually that they were not fans of Deborah. Uh, she would interfere constantly in the matches, sometimes to the aid of the Horsemen, sometimes it would be to their detriment and cost them a match or even a title. Uh, I thought this was a really good way of using her. It was this constant, I want to help and I mean well, but sometimes it just doesn't work. But I'm trying to help you. Uh, that sort of uh, storyline really let you kind of go back and forth and balance this. Well, if they hate her so much, why don't they just kick her out? Well, they can't kick her out because even though they do hate her, she's his wife and she helps him quite a bit. Well, yeah, but she's also screwing them over. Well, yeah, but she's not trying to screw him over, is she? You know, like that really made for this great, like suspicious, we don't know if we can trust you or not uh, vibe that all the horsemen were great at pulling off, I think, because all the horsemen truly didn't really care for Deborah. Uh, but it, it really worked out well. Uh, it was great storytelling. She would eventually turn on Mongo on screen and in real life. She would betray him to help Jeff Jarrett win the United States title in WCW. And the couple would actually become divorced for real in 1998. Uh, from there, she would go on to ruin many other wrestlers' lives, both on screen and in real life. Most notably, Steve Austin, who was married to her from 2000 to 2003. And I'd really like to know what Steve Austin was thinking because, yeah, I mean, she had some very obvious physical assets. But other than that, I want to know what he saw in her. I didn't see anything. Number six on my list, Sensational Sherry and Shawn Michaels. I've already discussed this on my HBK podcast, so I'm not going to go too deep into it here, but I loved the concept of this relationship. Sherry is obsessed with Sean, and Sean is obsessed with also Sean. Uh, it was a great way to have Sean get over as a narcissistic heel while also gaining a little bit of sympathy for Sherry. Uh, it reminded me a lot of the very early days between Randy Savage and Miss Elizabeth, which I'll talk about in a moment, but it was great and she played her part perfectly. Uh, they had this great angle in the summer of 92 where the model Rick Martel is competing for her affection, making Shawn Michaels jealous because even though he doesn't really truly care for Sherry, he still sees her more or less as his property and he'll be damned if some other guy is going to come in and try to steal it. Uh, this led to a no-punching-in-the-face match at SummerSlam, which you either love or hate. And uh, she did get her moment of independence. Sherry woke up, saw the light uh, after she got hurt by Marty Jannetty accidentally. Uh, Sean spends the next couple months paying no attention to her, completely moving on. She realizes this. She comes back. She tries to screw Sean out of the title, but it backfires on her, and she actually screwed Marty uh, which was a, a great, you didn't see that coming moment. And again, I thought it was a great way to put Michaels over at the expense of Sherry. 
which is a very common theme throughout their entire time together. It's no doubt to me that Sherry really gave Sean that first singles push he needed to become a star. So they're number six on my list. Number five on my list, Edge and Lita. You know, some things just write themselves. And this is definitely a storyline that wrote itself. Uh, Lita was in an on-screen and real-life relationship with Matt Hardy at the time. And as they started to reach a rocky point in their relationship, and Matt Hardy, I believe, was injured for a while, a real-life romance started to develop between Lita and Edge. And this caused Matt Hardy to understandably go off the deep end a little and actually get fired from the WWE for a while. Many people, both wrestlers and fans and backstage executives, blamed Edge and Lita and felt extreme sympathy for Matt Hardy. Never one to miss out on a great storyline opportunity, Vince McMahon had these two go all in and become an on-screen couple as well. Since at this point, you know, the internet was well-established, people were reading things up, they knew the story already, they were chanting in the audience at live events, you know, saying, you screwed Matt and all this stuff. So they said, why not, let's go all in and let's be an on-screen couple as well. And man, did people hate it. It worked as great heat for both of them. Um, the, the hatred was palpable. Their booing was just incessant. You know, people could not let them know enough what pieces of shit they thought Lita and Edge were. And I actually, if you watch the Edge documentary on the WWE Network, he actually talks about how it really made him feel bad in real life. He considered Matt Hardy a friend. You know, those two had a ton of history together in the ring. And it wasn't something that he was proud of, but love is love and that it is what it is. Um, and they decided, we're going to do it. We're going to go all in. We're going to be this hated couple. You want to hate us, that's fine. We're going to rub your face in it every chance we get. In fact, we're going to go so far as to have sex in the middle of the ring to celebrate Edge's first championship. Now, all right, it's under the covers of a bed that was in the ring and it's simulated sex. But it was extremely provocative. At one point, he's got Lita just in her bra and underwear bent over the bed. Uh, he removes her bra under the sheets. We don't see it. I don't know if he actually removed her bra or if they had a second bra in there for him to take out. But either way, it was incredibly graphic. It was, like I said, just that, all right, you're, you're going to throw it in our face that we're assholes? Fine. We're going to throw it in your face that we're assholes. And we're going to take this to a whole other level. When you've got parents covering the kids' eyes in the audience, that's how you know you're doing your job, and that's how you know you are a great on-screen couple. Those two had real heat because they had real heat in every sense of the word. Number four on my list, Eddie Guerrero in China. Latino heat, baby, mamacita. Gotta love Eddie, gotta love China. This was an awesome on-screen only romance, to my knowledge. They never got together for real. Eddie was already married to Vicky. China was, I don't think her and Triple H are still together in real life. I'm not sure on that timeline. But um, while the storyline only lasted around six months, I think that Eddie and China had some of the most entertaining promos and matches of that entire summer of 2000, which was a great summer for wrestling. And I think they were one of the standout acts, not even as like, oh, they're good for the mid-card. No, these two were just incredible. They were really fun to watch because Eddie was being this like little Latin lover kind of character, and he's going for this monster of a woman in China. So you've got surface-level humor in that. 
But what I really liked about it is as it developed, it became really sweet. And it actually resulted in a face turn for both of these characters because they were both heels, but the audience loved them together so much that they couldn't help but root for him. So, you know, again, Vince McMahon listening to the audience when he chooses to says, all right, you guys like these guys for real? What the hell? Let's just make them faces and we can go all in on it. Uh, it was great because China being actually able to wrestle meant that they could be, she could be more than just you know this this you know sideline romantic partner for Eddie. They were tag team partners. They would be in tag team matches. They actually fought each other as part of a triple threat match for the Intercontinental Title, in which Eddie pinned China. That was kind of you know that was an awkward moment, but it was great. Uh, they stuck it out for a while, but eventually this couple came to an end because Eddie Guerrero couldn't keep it in his pants. And uh, China finally catches him in the shower with two women. She dumps Eddie, rightfully so. She moves on. Again, I like that they let the woman move on from the man, not just kind of be subservient and apologetic for him. Uh, she said, no, screw you. You're not going to be faithful to me. I'm done with you. And she moved on. I really like that. Props to China. Props to the whole thing. It was a great, great angle. Um, man, God, I miss Eddie Guerrero. Uh, number three on my list, Goldust and Marlena. This is another real-life couple whose real-life troubles were used as a storyline, much in the same way that Edge and Lita kind of came about. Uh, Goldust, Dustin Runnels, and his wife, Terry, uh, burst on the scene in WWE in 1995 and immediately turned heads. They were an extremely controversial couple. They had this kind of ambiguous vibe where Goldust was being very sexually provocative toward not just Marlena but also himself and his male opponents and then you got Marlena sitting on the outside kind of being the strong silent type sitting in a director's chair smoking a cigar um, they had this very obvious chemistry on screen and it went for a long time several years but as their real life relationship began to crumble this is when we're starting to enter the attitude era and another opportunity for a great storyline takes place after an awkward angle where Marlena was won by Brian Pillman to be more or less his sex slave for 30 days, now they didn't say that, but I mean, you know, anybody watching could pick up on the implications. Uh, it started to develop a real awkwardness and a real tension. Unfortunately, that storyline never got to be finished properly because we lost Brian Pillman. He passed away before that uh, segment that angle was finished and they decided to turn that into a angle where they talked about the real life trouble that the couple was going through as they were on the brink of divorce and there's a great great interview that Jim Ross does on an episode of Raw I'm not sure exactly when but it would have had to be either October or November of that year based on the Pillman storyline I think November uh, but it's a great shoot interview. It reminds me a lot of the Triple H interview after WrestleMania 14, where he talks about where he first christened himself as the game. Uh, during this time, they were doing interviews very, very well. That's one thing I will give the Attitude Era is they had some great interviews and backstage segments. And this one was truly um, difficult to watch, especially knowing that they were really going through a struggle in real life. Uh, it's an awkward interview, but it's so good, and it's definitely worth checking out. Number three, Goldust and Marlena. 
Number two, Triple H and Stephanie McMahon. This is life imitating art right here, kids. Uh, what started out as a Jerry Springer-esque storyline of Triple H kidnapping a passed out Stephanie McMahon and getting married in the least scrupulous drive through wedding chapel in Las Vegas, and that's saying something, um, they then developed into one of the more obnoxiously dominant factions of the 2000s. Uh, the McMahon-Helmsley era was definitely something to be reckoned with. It ruled the main event scene. The top of the card was dominated by these guys. It catapulted Triple H into permanent main event status. And it gave us a side of Stephanie that we didn't really see before and I didn't even think was possible. You know, she was the sweet, innocent little girl, little, you know, Vince McMahon's baby girl. And now she is this devilishly power-hungry woman that's emerged. And she's just, you know, grabbing life by the balls, literally and figuratively. There were lots of crotch shots during that time. And while they dominated together, I actually loved their dissolution. I thought it was a great angle for the on-screen romance. Uh, it ended, uh, on-screen, it ended officially in 2002. They were disbanded. But the real-life romance of Triple H and Stephanie McMahon was just beginning, and they actually would go on to get married in real life in October of 2003. Uh, their on-screen dominance would have another huge run as they portrayed The Authority, another sickeningly powerful faction in wrestling that went from 2013 to 2016, and most notably gave us the rise of Seth Rollins and Daniel Bryan as main event players. And given the longevity of this uh, couple, the angles that they were able to produce, the stars they were able to make in both themselves and in others. They deserve a high spot on this list. They're number two on the list, and they would be number one on the list if Macho Man Randy Savage and Miss Elizabeth didn't exist. But let's face it, there's no other choice for the top spot. When you're talking about on-screen couples or real-life couples in wrestling history, these two are total royalty, the cream of the crop, as Randy Savage might say. Uh, Randy and Liz first started dominating the world of wrestling in 1985 when Savage joined the WWF and all of the top heel managers were competing for his talent. He was seen as the biggest free agent in wrestling history and they worked this great angle for a while when all the managers were trying to you know, offer their services to him and convince him to go with them. They would take him to the top and only they could get him to the top. Well, Savage finally makes his decision, but he shockingly turns all of them down and announces his manager with the famous words, and here she is. And the door opens and in walks Miss Elizabeth. And this, female managers were not happening in the WWF at this time. And she was really a trailblazer in that capacity. Uh, the couple made an immediate splash on the scene and created this really odd friction where the audience hated, hated Randy Savage, and they loved Miss Elizabeth. And they loved her because she was a face. She truly was. She wouldn't do anything dirty to help Randy win. She wouldn't do anything to help Randy win at all besides just be there to encourage him and support her man. Uh, meanwhile, Randy is being a heel not just to his uh, opponents in the ring, but he's being a heel towards her. He treats her like crap. He takes her for granted. He's jealous, he's possessive, he's domineering. All the while, here's Miss Elizabeth remaining sweet and lovable and totally loyal. Uh, it was really an interesting dynamic that I had never seen before, where you've got 
it's people loving one half of a duo and hating the other half. Like, how do you have that? They made it work. That went from 1985 until 1988 when Randy Savage got his face push and his world title push, and it allowed audiences to truly appreciate Randy and Liz as a couple. Uh, At that point, she starts to get a little bit more involved and active in helping Randy out, mainly by getting Hulk Hogan to come to Randy's aid. But either way, she was definitely responsible for the formation and the implosion of the Mega Powers, which is the greatest angle in pro wrestling history. That love triangle between those three was just amazing. Uh, After the Mega Powers explode at WrestleMania five. Uh, She leaves Randy, who once again is a heel, and stays off TV until the following WrestleMania, WrestleMania 6, where she shows up to support Dusty Rhodes and Sapphire in their match against Randy Savage and Sensational Sherry. The crowd was not expecting to see Elizabeth, and when she showed up, they went absolutely nuts. They went bonkers. But it was really a one-off appearance, and she would be off air for another year again until WrestleMania 7. They just pull her back for WrestleManias. We've got WrestleMania coming up. Who do we need? Miss Elizabeth. She'll give us a pop. WrestleMania 7 is probably her biggest moment, their biggest moment, where she's in the audience as Randy Savage is uh, having a retirement match against Ultimate Warrior, a loser leaves town kind of a match. Savage ends up losing, and like I said, he was a heel at the time, but you know he, he goes through so much. It's, an, it's a great match. I think it's by far the Ultimate Warrior's best match. Uh, and after the match, Liz, who we point to a couple times during the match, Bobby Heenan actually is the one who points her out. And is like, who is, is that? I, I, I think that's Miss Elizabeth. So the match is over. Randy's lost. His career is supposedly over. Liz can't help herself. She hops over the barricade. She runs to the ring to help Randy out because after all this time, they still love each other. Aww. Randy was completely surprised by this moment, um, but they have an incredible reunion that made a bunch of people cry. They, Man, they ate up those shots. All the women were crying. They loved that moment. Uh, Randy and Liz, that was, uh, by the way, WrestleMania 7, so that's uh, April of 91. They go on to SummerSlam in August of 91 that year where they have a wedding, and it's the only wedding in the history of pro wrestling that doesn't go off, or that, excuse me, that goes off without a hitch. Uh, So they're truly a trailblazing couple in that regard. No wedding before or after has gone smoothly. Even the most recent uh, Bobby Lashley and Lana wedding. Oh, God, is that over yet? Anyway, back to Randy and Liz. Uh, They would divorce in real life not long after that or in 1992, uh, but they would reprise their role as a couple, as an on-screen couple in WCW, Uh, at first as a face until Liz turned on Savage. I covered that in my manager's podcast as well. And then getting together to both be heels in the NWO where I thought we got to see a whole new side of Miss Elizabeth and it was really something cool to watch. Uh, This is my and most people's favorite on-screen couple for obvious reasons. Uh, The chemistry and storylines between these two were the absolute best. And when it comes to a great on-screen couple, nobody did it like Randy and Liz. Thanks for listening to this special edition of the Closet Champion podcast, folks. I will still be dropping another podcast this Monday, but it's going to be a larger look at the current state of wrestling. With WrestleMania season in full effect, there's a lot to unpack, so I'm going to do a little bit deeper of a dive on the current state of wrestling than I normally do. Again, please find me on Facebook and Twitter at Closet Champ. Give those pages a like. Give the podcast a subscribe. You can find me on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, 
Anchor FM, and maybe one of these days, Stitcher, but I'm not holding my breath on that. Uh, all right, ladies and gentlemen, until next time, I'm the Closet Champ Mike Mueller. I'm going to take my count out loss and get out of here with my belt. Good night, everybody.